Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there, welcome to Launchpad. It is where I talk to authors about their best launch tips and how a book launch can change someone's life. I'm Anna David, by the way. Um, In case you don't know and you're new to the podcast, I'm so glad you're here. It's changed incarnations many times. Now the focus is successful book launches because that is my focus. I have a company called Launchpad Publishing. You can find out more by going to launchpadpub.com. We write and publish books mostly for entrepreneurs. And this podcast gives me so many ideas about how to launch those books successfully because I talk to the world's most successful authors and marketers about how to do that. Today is no exception. Today I have the lovely Nancy Levin on this podcast. Now, she has a very unique perspective. She is not only a best-selling author, and her new book is called Settering... Let me try that again. Her new book is called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free, The Ultimate Guide to Telling the Truth, Creating Connection, and Finding Freedom. She was also the event director at Hay House for 12 years, where she saw oversaw events for authors like Gabby Bernstein, Wayne Dyer, and of course, Louise Hay. So she picked up a lot from doing these book events that sometimes had a thousand people at them. And she knows about boundaries because this is what she literally wrote the book on it. So you can get a full transcript of the episode and find out more about Nancy by going to launchpadpub dot com slash blog slash Nancy. You do not want to miss these tips or and you don't want to miss finding out the role that boundaries can play in your book launch. So did I mention this is episode 312? I'm so sorry I'm having some trouble speaking. I'm not re-recording because I give you guys the real me. Now I'm going to give you Nancy Levin. Hi, Nancy. I'm excited we're doing this. How are you? I'm great. I'm really excited too. So your fifth book came out roughly three months before the entire world changed. Uh, How has that impacted your book? You know, what's been really fascinating is that the topic of the book, which is setting boundaries, has been a fairly hot topic during the pandemic. So the book you know, had the book had had its feet beforehand. And then once the pandemic hit, 
I found that people were wanting to know how to set boundaries even more because either they were in circumstances, you know, at home with a whole bunch of people and their own routines and boundaries had been sort of shot to hell, or they were on their own and realizing that without any structure in place or nowhere to go and no routine to stick to, they weren't holding boundaries with themselves. So I think that there's actually been, um, there's been a little bit of an amped up interest. It's also helped that uh, when it's been difficult, Amazon hasn't really been shipping books in the way that they are accustomed to. Uh, It's really been great that Hay House has made almost all of the eBooks like $1.99. So the That's ebook nice. has been the ebook's been cruising and the audiobook too. The audiobook has been cruising too. Did you record the audiobook yourself? I, I did. I have recorded all my own audiobooks. I don't like to listen to an audiobook that's narrated by someone other than the author. I know. I feel the same way. You have a really good voice. I can tell just a few seconds into this, but sometimes, you know, I always tell people, be clear with yourself. Recording an audiobook is not as easy as one might think. Wouldn't you that say? Is very true. <clears throat> I mean, very true. Days and days. I find myself also, I find it very hard to breathe. Have you noticed? Do you have that also? You're like, well, when am I supposed to breathe? I know. I mean, I think I, I have a theater background. I have some theater training. And I think that that probably helped me with the audiobook recording just to really be able to space out the beats and to really, um, to really figure out how to pace pace myself and pace the language, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it is exhausting. It's a process. <laughs> How many days did you record it over? You know, I'll be honest with you. This book, um, I did this book in record time. I recorded this book literally in a day and a half. It was crazy. So I did it. I did like an eight hour day and then I did about a four hour day. And why? Well, why? (laughs) Um, Because where it fit into my schedule, I knew I I knew I needed it to get it. I knew I needed to get this book recorded in two in two full days. I had booked the studio for or whatever. We booked the studio for two full days, Um, but I ended up getting it done quicker. The other books I've actually taken more time with. I've even taken like three full days you know, stretched, stretched out, stretched out breaks. But with this one, I don't know, it just sort of, the, after day one, I knew I could get it done quickly. And so you have a course that goes along with this book, correct? I have uh, a boundary coaching program that sort of draws upon elements in the book. The book really is a 10-step process, so it's a step-by-step process. So I do have a boundary coaching program where I take you through these steps. I enhance and deepen the experience with exercises that are not in the book. There's also the aspect of community. There's also the aspect of... I do... Whenever I... um, teach any coaching programs, I do them live. So they're not pre-recorded. They're not dripped out over time. It's, it's me engaging with the group live. And those are the workshops you do at Kripalu, at uh, 1440 and all of those? 
Mm-hmm. I do. I do that as well. Yep. I do lots in person. Well, not right now. And I don't know when, but I, I was supposed to actually be teaching in Chicago over the weekend and we turned it into an online event and we did basically a Zoom, a Zoom day long event on Saturday and it was awesome. So it worked. And as <clears throat> why would you say, if you would say, books are more important now <clears throat> than ever? Would you say that's true? I, what I think is that we're wanting to, we're actually wanting to cultivate our own inner resources. And I think that books help us do that. You know, there's so much noise in the outside world, regardless of even politics or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever is also happening aside from the pandemic. There's so much noise in the outside world. I do think that we are needing to limit exposure to all of that. And what that's actually having us do is self-resource in a different way. So I know that the louder it gets out there, the more drawn I am to find out what's happening inside of myself. And books really are the guide to do that. And reading is up something like 500%. So it's not just everybody streaming Too Hot to Handle on Netflix, which I did binge over the weekend and I'm not proud. I don't feel great about it, but I did it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't gone there. I haven't gone there or the Tiger King. I haven't gone there. <laughs> if I had to pick, I'd say just let yourself do Tiger King. You won't feel as dirty afterwards. <laughs> but, but so, and also for authors, mm-hmm. I would say if, if you're contemplating doing a book, now is the time, not just because you may have the time, but also because it's become increasingly clear, you know, a book is a brand builder and Absolutely. It, employment is not guaranteed. So the more you can become a self-sustaining solopreneur or whatever it is, now is the time. What do you have to say about that? I have a lot to say about that. Great. <laughs> because, so I also have, and I launched it last fall and I'll be launching again this fall, Levin Life Coach Academy. So this is a certification and training program for coaches. And what I'm seeing in this time is that it's really illuminating for people the changes that they wanted to make or the risks they wanted to take, but didn't have the courage or confidence to do so before. But there's something that's happening right now that's catalyzing us into some version of, you know, if not now, when, or what do I have to lose? You know, something about now is the time to actually run with whatever it is that I've been holding back from. And for a lot of people, that's turning out to be, how do I turn my side hustle into a full-time gig? How do I leave my nine to five? Because I don't actually want to go back to the office and work where I was working. I like working at home. I like working on my own. So there's a lot happening there. And what I'll say about books, you know, I self-published my first two books. And the beauty of self-publishing, and this is something I really think is important for this particular time, is that I had a book in my hands three months after I sent the manuscript in. When you traditionally publish, it is a good 12 to 18 months you're looking at to have a book in your hands. The world is going to change so much in that time. The world naturally changes so much in that time, but even now more, it's accelerating. So I would actually say if you're really wanting to go the route of solopreneur, if you're really wanting to go out to build your brand, a great way to do it is with a self-published book as a calling card. 
Absolutely. And it can be done really quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point. This idea that that this is forcing us to see what really matters, sure, yeah. family, uh, friendship, connection, but also to see that what has been holding you back, life is precious. And um, I think I think it's really interesting. Okay, but back, so you self-published your first few books and yet decided to go traditional, even knowing that it would take a lot longer and the world could change. Talk about that decision. Yeah, so I... The first book I published was actually a book of poetry. I have a master's yes. in poetry. It's the first book I published. And even though I, I was the event director at Hay House, so I was obviously quite in with a publishing house, but they weren't at all interested and I didn't even pitch it. I knew I was going to self-publish. And then I wrote my second book, which was a quote unquote real book, as Reed Tracy, the president of Hay House, likes to call it. And this was really my first, you know, sort of self-empowerment coaching model book. And I self-published it. And then about three months later, Reed called me and said, hey, your book is actually doing really well. We'd like to pick it up. So Hay House ended up picking up my second book. And then from there, I did, um, I did book contracts for the subsequent books. And I'll tell you that there, that there was part of me that was missing the immediacy of the self-publishing because, you know, by the time you write a book, it gets edited, it gets, you know, goes through all the channels and you're holding it in your hand. It's like so last year, you know? Right. <laughs> so there's, there's also, but what I'll also say is that there's so much preparation that it takes to put a book into the world, writing the book is, is, is a fraction, is a drop in the bucket. And especially, I mean, I would say especially now given the pandemic, but I also mean now more widespread. You know, the truth of the matter is that a big myth in publishing is that, excuse me, is that if you go with a traditional publisher, you know, they're going to do all this stuff to get your book into people's hands. But the truth of the matter is that whether you self-publish or traditionally publish, it's up to the author to get the book into people's hands. And so, you know, I've seen, I've seen books that have come out right now that have skyrocketed and it's because of online presence. It's because of, of online platforms. So that's really where it's at, no matter whether you self-publish or traditionally, traditionally publish, and really no matter whether we're in this pandemic space or how we emerge from it, this is still really where it's at even more than being in person to sell books. And so when that book that Reed Hoffman acquired or Hay House acquired after the fact, how did it do well? What did you do to make sure it would do well at that point before it was picked up? So I was, I was really going hardcore on my social media, doing Facebook Lives. I, had, I didn't have my Hay House radio show quite yet, um, but I was doing everything I could to, to also grassroot it into, with people that I knew. So yes, I mean, I will acknowledge that 
because of my position at Hay House, I knew a lot of people who had big platforms, but it wasn't that everyone was so willing to, you know, put it out to their people. Um, but I, I drew in where I could and I got myself in front of as many people as I could, whether I was getting paid for it or not. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. So yeah, even on your on your press page or not on your site, but I think it's on the PR site, it says uh, 20,000 plus list, 7,000 plus Facebook group, because everybody now, a lot of people now know that's what matters. The 20,000 plus list is going to move a lot of books way more than being on the Today Show, a thousand times more than being on the Today Show. So much more. It's fascinating because we have this idea like, oh, I just want to get a national TV show. It, it, they, it doesn't sell books the way that, the way that, we, that we have this idea that it will be. And so, you know, you were event director for 12 years at Hay House, right? And so talk about some, and, and so during that time, uh, Hay House published Gabby Bernstein, Wayne Dyer, who else that was just huge, that is still huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, and I was quite close with, with all of them, very close with Louise and Wayne and still with Gabby. Um, big, uh, Marion Williamson, Carolyn Mace, Deepak, uh, also, um, you know, these sort of the younger generation, Nick Ortner, Megan Watterson, uh, who else? Colette Baron reed We have John Holland, a lot in the realm of, of psychic oracle mediumship, as well as, uh, Chris Carr. Did I say her, her mm. too, you know, so sort of in health, wellness, motivation, inspiration, pretty much everyone in that field I've worked with. And in that time, what happened with Hay House, and even more so, I think, since you've, you've been gotten, you know, when I first got in, it was like, oh, Hay House is a small publisher. It, it became massive in that time. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if that's just my perception, but it looked like it went from small to like, we give out huge advances. Everyone I know now, instead of HarperCollins, they want to be published by Hay House. What yeah. was that? What happened? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it actually was at the time that no publishers... So when I came into to Hay House, I had already been event producing and they brought me in to really create their live event division. And no other publishers were giving their authors a, a platform for speaking the way that we were. So that was one of the, one, that was one of the initial shifts. And that was a big reason why authors wanted to come to Hay House. They were getting... They were getting live events built into their contracts. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing is I think that they're, that we, Hay House, when Hay House began publishing other people aside from Louise, it was really publishing ancillary products. So in other words, you know, other, like Wayne Dyer had a publisher for his books, but he would come to Hay House for a calendar or a card deck or something else. Then what started happening is these big authors started coming to Hay House to actually have them do their books. So, you know, Wayne Dyer, Doreen Virtue at the time, Susie Orman, you know, people, you know, different people leaving other publishers to then come to Hay House. And that was, that was what, you know, precipitated the, the rapid growth for Hay House to really become, you know, one of the big houses. And it always really has maintained the place of being the largest publisher for personal growth and self-empowerment. And so were those events that you planned meant to move books? I mean, they probably served a lot of, a, a lot of purposes, but that was yeah, one I mean, of them. Yeah, I mean, many of our events had 
thousands and thousands of people. And we always had an on-site bookstore book and we moved a lot of product. And, and so what else did you learn about book promotion, having that, you know, front row seat to all those successful books? Yeah. You know, the most important thing I would say is, and I would say Wayne was the king of this, that, and it wasn't, and I, and I want to say this in a way that it wasn't, um, it was heartfelt and genuine, not manipulative, but really about letting people know the service that was available to them in the material. So it wasn't like, buy my book, <laughs> you know? It was, it was, here's what's actually available to you if you are willing to take this on, if you're willing to actually, you know, expand your capacity to include this material, these tips, these tools, these exercises, here's, here's the way you can change your life. And, you know, this actually makes me think about Louise because I would be by her side at book signings, hundreds of hundreds of people in a line to have their book signed by her. And I mean, every other person would say, you know, Louise, you changed my life. And Louise would say, I didn't change your life, darling. You changed your own life. I gave you the tools. And I really think that like, that's what it is. And that's even now, I mean, what I feel passionate about is providing my clients, my students, my audience, the tools that they can use to then make the changes that they're longing to make. And so how does one perpetuate that message? What, what are the practical steps you take in order to, to, to let people know that? I mean, I think for me, what feels always important is to is for, you know, so uh, for me, I need to stay in alignment with what's true for me. So I can only come from a place where I feel congruent and where I feel honest and I'm truth telling. And from the place where I can engage with someone to help them see that it's about actually going micro instead of looking at, you know, it's not a marathon. It's actually, let's, what is the next step to take? What's the next step to take? To decipher around, it doesn't even need to be a right step. It just needs to be action because we can always course correct. So it's really that movement mobilizes possibility for us. And, you know, that's always where I'm coming from, wherever I'm speaking or wherever I'm teaching. It's really about let's Let's break this down into the, into the next step that you can take to actually move you in the direction of your vision. So what are some of those micro steps? So I have what I call my transformation equation. <laughs> so I believe change equals vision plus choice plus action. So we have to first be willing to be able to see, okay, I'm here now. Where do I want to be? In order to get there, I'm going to have to make some different choices. I personally think everything comes down to choice because where we are in our life is really the culmination of every choice we've made, every decision we've made. And so it only goes to prove that our present moment choice predicts our future. So our present moment choice is the crystal ball that we're looking for. So we have to be willing to make different choices. And from there, we have to back that up with action. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's always going to be for whoever is who, you know, whoever is wanting to change their life. It's, it's really this systematic. Where do I want to be? What's the different choice I need to make? What's the action I need to take? Because every action and choice we make are going to serve or sabotage the vision. And so could that be, how could that be applied to, I envision myself being a best-selling author. What would those steps be? Yeah. So, I mean, first step is, right, is make a book outline. Yep. You know, that to me, like, that's a very practical first step. You know, then it might be determining, do I need a ghostwriter? Can I write this myself? Then it might be determining, you know, like, so you're going in, you're going in necessary fashion. Then it might be, okay, am I going to self-publish or traditionally publish? If I'm going to self-publish, I can write the whole book. If I'm going to traditionally publish, I need to write a book proposal. You know, so it's really learning as much as you can about the process and then identifying what are the steps you're going to take and then mapping it out over time. This is one of the most important pieces is, you know, being able to really chart the course on an actual calendar. So, and so that would be, I'm going to spend three months uh, contacting media, building my list. What would those steps be? So, I mean, there's, there's two things that are happening at one time. There's, if it's about, I see myself being this best-selling author, you know, it's first of all, getting clear on the actual content and the material. And then it is about ways to build, to build your platform. So it is making sure that you've got a website, making sure you've got an opt-in so that people can get on your email list making sure that you've got the proper social media channels, making sure that you really know who your ideal client avatar is, your ideal customer, who's the one person you're speaking to, who's the one person you're writing to, you know, getting on other people's podcasts, doing Facebook lives, uh, you know, all of these things end up merging together about the way that you're going to position yourself to become what it is you want to become. And I was also curious, that's great. I was also curious, what role does, do boundaries play in book promotion? Um, because does that mean I'm going to feel empowered to reach out to people who could help me? Uh, does it mean letting go of expectations of people? You know, some people are going to say no. How, what role does bound, do boundaries play? Yeah, so I mean, first I'll say, to define, excuse me, to define boundaries, you know, our boundaries are the limits that we set around what we will or will not do, tolerate, or accept. So really it's, it's identifying what's okay and not okay for us. So for example, a boundary in, in this, you know, in terms of book promotion, you know, can show up in terms of who I'm going to reach out to, it can also show up in ways of something might come in that doesn't feel in alignment and I say no to it. So mm-hmm. it's always checking back in with what feels okay for me and what doesn't feel okay for me. Yep. Yep. And would you recommend create, I mean, if it, if it makes sense for the book, creating a course to go along with a book? I have, so for me, because I'm a coach and all of my books have, have naturally been uh, 
something that I can turn into a coaching curriculum. And because as I've been, as I write my books, I test drive them with coaching groups. So they're intentionally, uh, they're intentionally written in a way that I can create a coaching program out of them. Um, I have loved doing that and it has really worked for me. So I think if it's, if it is a natural progression for you, it's a great thing to have. It's a great thing to do. Um, and would you recommend making the course free, charging for it, uh, putting sort of lead magnets throughout the book? So I've done a, I've done a few different things. And uh, I think for uh, the book, my last book, I did a free four, like almost like a little mini course, like a four module mini course that was free. It was a free bonus when you bought the book. And then from there, I nurtured in such a way, and then I did an upsell to the full course. Uh, this book that came, the, uh, the Boundary book, I, I did not do a free mini course. I did, I think I did a one hour free workshop. And then that also led into when I ended up doing the full launch for the program. So I think there's different ways to do it. And, and I think it's, uh, I don't think there's any one way. And I also think it's good to sort of test drive different ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think if you're in the audience building stage, having a free course is a great idea. Mm-hmm. If Agreed. you have a built-in audience like, like you, where they actually contributed in a way to what's in the book, it might make more sense to have a course that you pay for. It really, I think, depends on your goal. Yeah, um, exactly. And then I did also wanted to veer back to some of the, the really crazy successful authors that you've worked with. You did a, in your launch, at your launch in January, you did a Q&A with Gabby Bernstein. What was that like? Did that move a lot of books? Where was it back when we did live events? <laughs> right. Back when we did live events, it was in New York City. And uh, it came about because Gabby and I were at lunch at, an, at another event we were speaking at in the spring uh, you know, of, of the year before. And when Gabby heard the title of the book, setting boundaries will set you free. She said, Oh my God, we have to do a live launch for this in New York. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So it really just came about because she heard the title and said, I want to do this with you. So, um, we had nearly 300 people, um, for an evening in, in New York in January. And the, a book was included. So what, what we did is a book was included in the ticket to come. And I kept the ticket prices super inexpensive because I really just wanted people there and I wanted people to have the book. Um, so it was just, it was a part of my book launch to, to move books. But that event, we didn't sell books. So it, it moved the books in that the people got the books, but it also moved the books in terms of it being uh, really sort of the, the flagship event of my launch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you had to give your top three tips for launching a book, what would they be? Mm, Yeah. And and we've already covered them probably, but you know, in a quick sort of succession. Yeah. So I would say the top, so top three tips for, for marketing the book is what you're saying. Launching. Or launching, excuse me, launching the book. So the first thing is um, 
you do know, you need to know who your market is. So you need to know who you are reaching out to. So whether this is through Facebook ads, whether this, you know, who you're targeting. So you really need to know who needs to hear what you have to say. So for me with coaching and especially with my work, with my books, my ideal client is some earlier version of me always. So you really need to know who you're talking to. Um, you, I do think that in the launch of a book, a really hot promo, a really hot bonus package does help. So having, you know, having whatever it might be, whether it's an event, whether it's a work, you know, it can be online, an online event, an online workshop, whether it's, um, a series of, of elements that you want to put together, but something that you want to something that you want to put together so that when they buy the book, they get this bonus. The other thing I'll say, and this is sort of in the pre-launch runway of the book, is to have something that's really getting people psyched and stoked for this book. So the reason I did this boundary book was that boundaries had been a through line in all my other books, and it was a full chapter in my last book. And then it became clear, oh, I need to make this a whole book. Then what happened was I was promoting the book so far in advance. I was talking about the book because I had written the book, but it still wasn't coming out for like a year. But I was talking about the book and the material, and I was getting the sense people were wanting something. So I actually created a, I called it Boundary Badassery, the pocket guide. So I created this pocket guide that I, that I, made as part of my pre-launch runway and made it actually a tripwire. So it was like three bucks, but it wasn't about the money. It was about getting people used to wanting to buy something. Interesting. I love it. So I did, I did a $3 pocket guide and then I did as part of that, an upsell that was $7 which was um, setting better boundaries with my setting better boundaries with yourself. So for eleven bucks, they could get these two guides plus a meditation. And and when you say a guide, it was an ebook. It was an ebook. It was a PDF. Yes, I love it. You know, so I did these, and I I did that. I think that I rolled that out early summer of twenty. 19 and the book wasn't even coming out till January 2020. So there was a good like 6 month period where I was really in in the mode of of pushing the that pocket guide as the pre-launch runway to then have collected all these people who I knew were were hot and then I and then to roll the book out to them. And when you talked about giving the course, you know, putting together, were you talking about pre-orders? You know, if you buy one book, you get this. If you buy five books, you get this. If you buy a hundred books, did you do that? I personally didn't do that. People do that. I didn't do that. I just did. I, this time around, I actually simplified and I just did that. If you buy the book, you get, um, I did a workshop right around the holidays that was called Zen in the Art of Boundary Maintenance, the holiday edition. So I knew that, that people, you know, have issues with boundaries around the holidays, especially. So I did a very specialized workshop um, for that, for people who had pre-ordered. Love it. And finally, what do you, what can a book do for your career? How can a book launch you to a new level in your career? I think what a book does is I sort of named it earlier. A book really becomes a calling card. So a book 
can really anchor you as an expert. A book gives you some credential. A book, you know, gives you some kind of like, gives it, it in some way validates who you are and what you have to teach. And so there's great benefit in, in, and again, this is why I would say that this is the time for self-publishing. I really have to say, <laughs> this is the time for self-publishing. If you've got a message, if you've got something to share, you can get the book out really quickly and you can use the book to help you build your platform. Amen. So if people want to find out more about you, grab your book, follow you on social media, sign up for your list, what's the best place for them to go? <laughs> yeah, everything is at nancylevin.com. Everything's there. Fantastic. Well, Nancy, thank you so much. Is there anything I neglected to ask you that you'd like to share with the, no, the launch is, patterns? <laughs> no, this is great. I love it. I love your questions. I love getting to talk about it from this angle. And um, I, I really, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. You, you all, thank you so much for listening. As usual, if you love this podcast, especially if you love this, this dual emotional and practical uh, interview with Nancy Levin, please throw a review up there. Or give it a five-star rating. It takes two seconds and it makes such a difference so other people can find this podcast. So Nancy, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.